It's not just about bringing your reusable bag, it's about thinking differently and kind of being more aware of everything you buy and asking the question, is there a better way to buy? Is there a better product to buy? A product that contains less plastic or less packaging. Welcome back to her CEO journey. Reducing the plastic footprint in our life can feel impossible because plastic is everywhere. Today's guest in this Reducing Your Plastic Footprint series said it's impossible to eliminate plastic from our life, but it doesn't mean we should give up. You can change little things slightly that can make a huge difference when you do it every day. Chantal Plamadong, the co-founder and CEO of Life Without Plastic, her mission is not only about helping people find safe, high-quality, ethically sourced, earth-friendly alternative to plastic products in their online shop. She is also committed to raising awareness about plastic issue by providing reliable science-based and experience-based information and showing the world, one person at a time, the beauty and significance of life without plastic. Now, let's find out Chantal CEO journey. Chantal Plamondon, welcome to her CEO journey. It is a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. Likewise, a pleasure to be here. So Chantal, you founded Life Without Plastic 17 years ago. And then I also noticed a few months ago, exactly March 2022, your company successfully become a certified B Corporation, right? But before that, from my understanding, you were a lawyer. So how did this happen from a lawyer to life without plastic? I've been a lawyer since 1995. And I guess for the first, say, eight years of my career in law, I was kind of following a corporate trend. I worked for law firms. I also worked for consultant companies. And I guess I didn't feel fulfilled in some way. I didn't feel like my true purpose in life was really being met with the work that I was doing. I was working for firms. I wasn't working on my own. I wasn't deciding the content of my work. And uh, when you start off in corporate law, you usually work for big law firms who will defend the interest of big corporations. Those are not necessarily aligned with the lives of small citizens or even the life of the planet itself. And progressively, I started to feel a calling for doing something meaningful, useful for uh, human beings, but also for the planet. When I became pregnant of my son, that I started having these questions. And when he was born, I kind of needed more flexibility in my work. And that's when I started imagining how I could start a business that would fulfill the purpose of helping people, helping the planet, but also giving me time and control over my schedule so I could really enjoy having this baby and, you know, being able to adapt my time and still earn a living. So I started Life Without Plastic as a way to fulfill that need. I started this business as a way to have something that is flexible and also purposeful, and yet bringing some revenue 
while, while I was taking care of the baby. How did the idea come up with Life Without Plastic? It's interesting. At the time, that was in the beginning of the 2000s. And I was reading a lot of parenting magazine as a new mom. I guess the baby doesn't come with an instruction manuals. It's not the same as traditional societies where, you know, the, the knowledge was handed down to the next generation and, you know, like living in community and stuff. We're alone. We're basically alone when we have our baby. And plus my mother had passed away, so I didn't have her guidance or knowledge. So I was reading a lot of books. Through these books and magazines, I discovered that there was the beginning of research on the effect of plastics on infants and babies, and also on pregnant mothers, on the hormonal system. They were starting to discover that plastic molecules or additives were being transferred to the baby through baby bottles, through the toys, the plasticizers and toys that babies would put in their mouths. And so I started being really concerned about that and trying to find ways to protect my baby against that. So I started looking online for baby bottles that were not made of plastic. And at the time, they were made of this BPA plastic, which is one of the worst plastics. And I realized I had one of these baby bottles to extract my milk. So I started looking for glass baby bottles and, uh, you know, baby dish sets that were not made of plastic. I discovered that those alternatives were not very common. It was very hard to find them. And so I saw an opportunity to not only help myself, but also help other people. And that's how the business got started. So the first website, it was basically just an HTML website with PayPal buttons. So you would click on the PayPal buttons that would bring you to some kind of PayPal shopping cart. I started with less than 10 products. I, I didn't want to start with just one. So before I officially launched, I wanted to have a few things to offer. So I had glass baby bottles, which I had to buy in large quantities. So it was like a bit of a risk because I wasn't sure if there was an actual demand for them. I had stainless steel water bottles. So we were selling another brand. It wasn't our own brand. Uh, same with the glass baby bottles. However, we created also a dish set for babies where we sourced a plate, a bowl, and a cup from Thailand. They were made of stainless steel. And we kind of, at home, we bought some nice looking boxes and we created these little packs. So these were the like a few of the, the first products that we sold. And then, and then we launched in July of 2006. As soon as we launched, I think like a few days later, a first order came in. I didn't expect an order that soon. I mean, it came so unexpectedly that I didn't see it in my inbox for a few days somehow. <laughs> it was like, and then, and then when I discovered, oh my goodness, we just had an order. I kind of rushed to to, to pack it. And it was so exciting, so exciting to get that first order. So it kind of confirmed that the concept was actually working. So you started buying products from others. But now, how did you transition from buying 
to create your own product? I cannot say we create all our products. We brand a lot of products. So we find them from the suppliers who, who kind of are already offering something that looks like what we want. And then we ask them to make some modifications. But we also design some products. I would say it's more the fabric products that we design. We work with a, this great factory that um, that uses organic cotton, got certified organic cotton. They're located in India. We've met them, like they're super nice. They treat their employees super well. So we, we very carefully choose who we source from and we work in collaboration with them to make the products that we imagine and design to, to make them become reality. We always start with a need. Products that are not exactly tailored to the needs of people and we improve whatever exists already. If you can explain in one word, what is life without plastic? It's the word advocacy that comes to my mind because it's more than just offering products that fill a need. I think when people buy your products, they kind of become agent for change. They because of the name too, you know, it's called Life Without Plastic. So I think I think there's a message that is carried by our products. So when people walk around with a bag that says life without plastic, they're sending a message and they are kind of propagating this message that, yes, we can try to live without plastic. I, I cannot say it's completely possible. <laughs> it's not. But, you know, it's kind of a nice goal to aim for. So that's why I say advocacy. Like it's more like propagating a message through products that are aimed at helping go in that direction. Chantal, I have a question for you. Is there a solution on garbage bag? <laughs> this is, bothers me because every week I pick up this garbage, put it outside. It's plastic. And then every week I'm like thinking like, there's got to be something better than this. The thing is, it's unavoidable that you're going to generate some plastic waste. The hope is that over time, there's going to be less and less. But right now, we're just not there. Corporations are still using so much plastic in the packaging and the components. So it's hard to accept, but I would say it's a phase. We're, we're at this point now. And unfortunately, during the pandemic, there was even more of that waste because there was this kind of fear of getting contaminated when you reuse products. So there was even more disposable products and like products were even more packaged so that they would be kind of more hygienic somehow. So we're, we're kind of coming out of this kind of dark period for the plastic free living because we generated a lot of plastics during the pandemic and it's still there. Like we're, we're trying to recover from that and trying to get people to go back to their old habits. But you still have coffee shops that will not accept your own mug. There's still that fear of contamination. So to answer your question, what to do about the, the, the plastic bag? That's also a question that is unresolved. I do have some plastic packaging in my food. So what I use is I... I will reuse some plastic packaging from another product to use as my garbage bag to kind of minimize. The other problem is that there are some 
advocates of plastic-free living that say, and one of them is Beth Terry. She wrote a book on plastic-free living as well. She was one of the early plastic-free living proponents. She says we shouldn't use biodegradable or compostable bags for our garbage. And the reason is that it creates methane gas when it ends up in the dump and that the dump is meant to be, you don't want too much decomposition in in the dump. It's supposed to be this kind of dry tomb that they talk about. I remember having this dilemma when we wrote our book because it would make so much sense to use a compostable bag for your garbage, but actually what's in your garbage is all non-compostable stuff. So yeah, it's better to reuse a bag that you're throwing away anyway, you know, so as your as your garbage bag. Try not to buy new garbage bags. But it's a dilemma. It's like how we manage garbage in the best of worlds, there wouldn't be any garbage. Everything would be compostable. What is the common misconception about living plastic-free? That there is no plastic at all? Is that a common misconception? Exactly. I was going to say that it's all or nothing. Some people don't even want to go there because they think it's impossible. It's impossible to live without plastic. And it is impossible, to be honest. The misconception is to think that it is possible and to think that there are people that are actually achieving it. I don't know anybody who has been able to achieve it because it's kind of a big collective effort. It's like our society has changed so much in the past 50 years that it's so hard to go backwards and go back to where we were then because we're all interconnected. And it's like collectively we've gone in that direction and it's kind of hard to dismantle all that's been created around the existence of plastic. Like just thinking, for instance, you go in a hospital Everything is so packaged in plastic just for hygiene purposes. You know, even like they will take your temperature and they take a new thermometer, <laughs> brand new in plastic. They break the packaging. They put the packaging in the, in the garbage. They take your temperature and then they put back. It's it's usually like the the one of the pieces of the thermometer that is disposable. And then they put it, it's like a, a nice piece of plastic that they just throw out. They don't even bother disinfecting it anymore. We used to have um, medical instruments that were made of stainless steel that would be disinfected every night in these like big oven. They don't do that anymore. So in a way, we're kind of in this going in this direction that unless there is a collective decision to be more conscious and to pay attention about all the plastic we're wasting, unless this happens, then unfortunately, the individual effort will never be sufficient. It has to come from higher above. So it has to come from companies that become more conscious and make efforts. But the problem is then products cost more money. So then you have to go one level above with governments who would create standardized protocols or standards to make sure that 
companies do take into account their packaging and the waste that they create. You know, you almost like have to create some kind of tax on the pollution that you create, that corporations create, so that then maybe if it's a leveled playing field, if all companies are subject to this tax, then because of the, the waste that they generate, then maybe we would start to see some changes in the way products are designed and conceived. That misconception that alone we can do it, I think that's the biggest one. However, it doesn't mean that we cannot take steps because it's by taking small steps that we show corporations, we show governments, we show everybody around us that we care. And unless we take those small steps, nobody will know that it's an important issue. So I know that some of the smaller steps that are common are reusable bags, reusable bottle. But I want to I wanna go beyond that. So what would be your suggestion to help living somewhat plastic-free that is aside from this common practices of reusable bags and reusable bottles? It's like a mindset. It's not just plastic, it's reducing consumption in general. And wondering every time you buy something, is this product also available in non-plastic material? Or is this product available in a reusable form? I know like something that people don't realize is how much plastic there are in our clothes. Just looking at tags is also a big step because most of the clothes that we buy contain some kind of polyester or a synthetic fabric that whenever you wash it in your washing machine, it kind of dislodges some microplastic particles that end up in waterways and, you know, through the sewage system. And those microplastics now can be calculated, like they, they can, can be counted in all our rivers, all our, and of course, in our oceans and all our waterways. Like we see these microparticles. But I think people don't think that, don't realize all the plastic that they have in their clothes. It's not just about bringing your reusable bag. It's about thinking differently and kind of being more aware of everything you buy and asking the question, is there a better way to buy? Is there a better product to buy? A product that contains less plastic or less packaging. We often buy way more things than we really need in the end. I think by, by creating that consciousness, whenever we take out our wallet to buy something and asking these questions. So we'd be good if people just stopped and paid attention and think about giving gifts that are more environmentally conscious, that use up less packaging and less plastic in their components. So in terms of product, if they want to change little by littles, and in, in, in your book, Living Without Plastic, going beyond reusable bags and reusable bottle and then started changing their mindset, what can they implement aside from buying cheap fashion? What we aim for is small steps in your home, in your, we go through in our book, we go through every room of the house where you kind of ask, how can I reduce not just 
plastic consumption, but my, my exposure to plastic too. We were talking about fabric, but when you when you go, for instance, in a typical living room, the carpet, if there is carpet, carpet is often made of synthetic material, which means that every time you walk on it, it gets worn out a bit. And then there's these microparticles that you start to breathe. Same thing with curtains, you know, the curtains disintegrate with the sunlight that goes through them in small, small particles that you actually breathe. So it's not just going in the waterways through the washing machine. It's also plastics that we breathe in just because of the materials that our homes are made of, upholstered sofas. Uh, it's a question of opening our eyes, look around us, and see what small step we can progressively make to protect our own lives too, you know. It's about the environment, but it's also about human lives because we do breathe these plastic particles. We focus a lot on food containers. We sell a lot of products where we try to replace whatever plastic would be in contact with food. And that's because there are transfers between food and plastics. The worst are when food is being reheated in, in, in a plastic container in the microwave. You know, it's like, and especially if that food is either acidic, like tomato sauce or greasy, there's even more chemical reactions that operate a transfer of molecules between the container itself and the food. So you end up with some of the plastic components, the plasticizers or even the plastic molecules end up in your food. So we try to offer products that kind of address the most dangerous aspect of plastic, which is the contact with our human bodies. But there's also like so much more that could be done at a more global level in terms of plastic pollution and all that. But with our business, we were we really aimed at addressing your home, you know, your day-to-day -day products. I know that you said after the pandemic, the world kind of regress because of the hygiene component. Through your business, what have you done to educate people to go back and then not feeling scared when they are using reusable cups, for example? We're kind of following our customers and responding to the demand as it starts to grow back. But in terms of messages, we are active on social media and we try to send the message, you know, out there. But but it's a it's a long road. I think it's it's a process that it will take a little more time, but we are there. We continue to support the customers who are um, committed to changing these habits. It's like through sending the message through the various channels that are offered to us, but it's a process. You also sell in the European market. And in my understanding with the European market, they are more sustainably conscious. It's interesting. I find in Europe, there is actually more competition for products that are plastic free because of that heightened consciousness about the plastic products. For us, Europe has been a challenge from the beginning, especially because of the existence of 
more competition. But on the other hand, I, I don't want to say that it's a struggle because I think it's great. It's wonderful. It's a, it's a good thing to know that uh, there there's more companies offering products like like that that are helping a good cause. I know just recently you just become a certified B Corporation, but you started your company in 2005. Why only after 17 years later that you found out about B Corp certification? That's a good question. Actually, we've been wanting to get this certification for many years. First of all, just the process of it took us a long time because we applied just before the pandemic. <laughs> or, or, yes, and, and so it took a long time. There was uh, less people working. They were short-staffed for a while. And so it, 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 it took longer than normal to process our application. But also it took us a long time just to apply. And I think it's just because we were so busy. And it's almost like we knew we were a corporation that does good thing, that is that sources ethically. It's almost like, do we really need a certification? Tell people that we are what we are. But then we also discovered that it's actually a wonderful community of like-minded business. So there's there's a lot of benefit to belonging to this, this movement and also to be recognized as, as meeting the very stringent criteria uh, to, to become a B Corp. So we're super proud of it. And we wish we had started earlier. I guess, you know, we... It's it's always been a problem for us, like trying to be profitable with having, you know, like maximizing uh, our staff, our human resources. And so it, it took a lot of commitment and effort. And I have to thank my co-founder, Jasona. He's really the one who took it on him to spend the time to answer all the questions, to gather the evidence and the information. So yeah, I, I I wish we had started earlier. It's just was difficult, you know, in terms of our resources and the time we had to spend into the process. Chantal, this has been a pleasure to speak with you. Now, where can people find Life Without Plastic and connect with you as well? So our website is called lifewithoutplastic.com. We have a great selection of plastic-free products. We love to hear from our customers. They can write to us. They can write to me personally at Chantal, C-H-A-N-T-A-L, at lifewithallplastic.com. I'd love to get some feedback from your listeners. Yeah, they come. They can come and visit our website and give us their ideas, how we can improve, what we could do to further the movement. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for this fun interview. It was really wonderful to talk to you. Well, the pleasure is mine, Chantel. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And that's bring us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for mission-driven women entrepreneurs. When you are ready to grow to the next level and seeking a finance team and a fractional CFO who are all in on your mission and can help you maximize profit to make a bigger social impact, connect with us at theprofitreimagine.com forward slash let's chat.